Alright, welcome everyone to uh, this particular seminar. Um, let me just introduce Charles and Ash. I've known Charles and Ash for, oh, goodness, how long ago? Two, uh, 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Yeah, about 10 years. Uh, I met Charles at a first year university lecture. Um, and then we moved back to this. We've got a lot in common. We're both in full time ministry, both have very similar interests and passions. Um, and Charles is actually, believe it or not, the person who introduced me and our church to the Geneva Bush Church Planting Network. So you could argue that it was because of him that he was here. But, uh, yeah. um, but let me ask you a couple of questions, bro. How, yeah. how did you come to know Jesus? Um, I know you kind of grew up in church, but uh, you give us a bit of a rundown of the story and then same for Ash as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm very thankful to God for my story. G'day, everyone. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up with a Christian upbringing, um, and so I, there was never a day where I didn't know and love and trust Jesus. Um, my mum, she read the Bible to me. She taught me to pray. Um, I remember one of my earliest memories of praying was um, I was praying like this, and um, I thought Jesus was in between my hands. And so I was like, I, was, I remember looking inside to see if he was there. And, and my mum, you know, she taught me, no, no, no. Um, he, he is, you know, with the Father and we pray to him. Uh, so I went to church um, and did that. My family actually stopped going to church uh, when I was around 12. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, that, that was tough. I was about 12. I kept going to church by myself because um, I, I was like, well, I'm, I'm a Christian, aren't I? And Christians go to church. Um, so I couldn't keep going to our old church, so I just started going to the local church. I did youth group there, and, and it was a process of discipleship and growing and, and coming to know what it means uh, to be a Christian. Um, I think my mum's a Christian. Uh, she's started going to church again. Um, I, th- I think my dad is not a Christian, but was in church for 20 years. So we're working on that. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, Never a time where I didn't know Jesus, but it's been a process of, over the years, growing to know him and to love him more. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Nice. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a testimony that we want all of our kids to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of the story, apart from the parents leaving the yeah, church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the story I want my kids to have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. 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 Me? Um, yeah, similar, like my family both go to church still. They love the Lord and went to church. Um, I think a big part of my upbringing was going to um, Christian camps. So, yeah, I think I learnt a lot about God and his love for me um, going to Christian camps. So, like, from year three, every school holidays, all the way up to, like, finishing school, I went to, like, this Christian camp called Camp Kedron, which is in the Northern Beaches, um, yeah, and I just loved it, and I think, yeah, it was a gradual coming to realise Jesus wasn't just my saviour, but he was my Lord too, and I needed to live for him, not just him saving me, and yeah, so very thankful for my family and my experience of camp life. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so tell us, uh, before we jump into the talk, maybe just one last question. Um, tell us a little bit about um, Grace City. Um, that's where the church that you serve in. Yeah. I kind of look at Grace City and go, that's a church. That's, that's us looking into the future. You know, <laughs> years from now, something. Um, but uh, yeah, tell us about how it began, 
pay them because Charles was part of the church planting team um, mm. of that. I think that was what, 2012, 2012? Uh, 2015, we started church, yeah. but there was the process. Yeah, gradually, yeah. 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 Remember, the pregnancy yeah, before right. I remember birth. At university, <laughs> when we were like in our 20s, early 20s, Charles and I were talking about like him joining a church planting group and stuff, and I was like super excited for him. And then, yeah, it became Grace City, so yeah, yeah. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I think we have uh, always been uh, on board, passionate about ministry together. Uh, that's always been something um, we've wanted to do. Uh, and so uh, we've been doing ministry together um, since, you know, all, always. It's always been part of our relationship. But um, you guys been married for? Uh, just about 10 years, so yeah. I was 20. She was 21. <laughs> um, first wedding I went to was there. Oh, oh you should have wedding. seen him on the dance floor. <laughs> <laughs> just FYI, there was no alcohol. In no place. alcohol. It was all just... Yeah, it was Charles fun. was a DJ at the time, so he'd made this big mix and it was so fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was so fun. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, so always been passionate about ministry. But, yeah, kind of towards the end of uni, uh, there was a guy who, he kind of mentored me, um, his name's Tim, uh, and he had a, a crazy dream to plant a church, uh, and so he said to me, would you like to come and be my MTSer, which is like a ministry intern, uh, and so that was a tricky decision to, we were both going to the church that Ash grew up at, um, I was actually doing youth ministry there, uh, but we made the tough decision to leave uh, and we joined this church that, I mean, there was 20 of us that yeah. were part of the core team. We were the fifth and sixth person to join the church. Yeah, fifth and sixth members. Uh, I started a full-time ministry traineeship the same day that church started. Uh, and so I did two years of full-time I made a lot of mistakes um, and learned a lot of things. That's really where I was... Lost a lot of keys. Let's, let's not <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> um, and yeah, so that was two ministries. Wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, God was very kind and blessed our church with um, saving some people uh, and growing. Um, it was really tough, um, really hard. Uh, we had to move buildings um, a couple of times, um, which is, is hard um, to wrestle with. Um, it's also tiring just setting up and packing down like, oh, week after week, hey? <laughs> soul destroying, <laughs> you know, putting out the chairs, setting it, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really tough. Um, yeah, God was very kind um, and uh, we, we got a building, uh, and so we're very, very thankful to God for that. Uh, we were, I went to Bible college uh, full-time. Um, Ash is also studying part-time as well at Small College. Uh, we did student ministry um, kind of at Grace City, so just like one day a week. Uh, and then we left for one year to do student ministry somewhere else to get some different experience. We went to MBM out at Rudy Hill. Uh, and then for the last, well, yeah, year and a, ne- nearly two years ago, joined the team um, as a pastor. Full-time pastor, right? Yeah, full-time pastor. Yeah, yeah. So I look after Sunday services, and then um, I look after basically all the Bible material for our midweek groups, for our community groups. Um, plus doing lots of other things that a pastor does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we, we love it. Um, we love our church. It's, it's an absolute mess 
Yeah, every church is a mess, um, but it's a beautiful it's mess. It's actually not that messy, Charles. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not that messy, but it it's... feels like it. <laughs> um, it's yeah, yeah. No, we love it. Um, wouldn't trade this for anything. So, yeah. yeah. I feel the same way about people, so I know what you mean. Um, cool. So, Charles and Ash um, they have gone through, um, I would say, a difficult season in their life in the last couple of years, and uh, through that, I think God has really... Um, from my vantage point as, as, a, as a friend, um, taught them some, some really grueling, tough, and yet beautiful lessons as well. Um, so he's, they're, they're going to talk a little bit about that, share a little bit about their experience of what they went through, um, trying to figure out, you know, how can a good God do this or be like this, and then figuring that out. I'm sure some of you guys might have gone through it. Um, if you haven't, then I'm sure life will throw lemons your way soon enough. Um, and yeah, just to give us a sense of how we can think through that and feel through that, mm. um, they're going to give us a little bit of a, a first-hand sort of account of, of what, they're, what they're going through. You know, it's not something that I think you can ever say it's, it's done and dusted, but mm. I'm so thankful that you guys were willing to share that because it's hard, man. Like, a lot of people won't be willing to share that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but yeah, thank, we're thankful for that. And we, yeah, on Thanks for having us. Thank yeah, yeah. It's really wonderful to be here. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to have you. Um, yeah. Let me pray for you and then you can Yeah, thank you. Father in heaven, we give you thanks uh, for the blessing of friendship. We give you thanks that though uh, Charles and Ash might attend a different church, be part of a different community, uh, local community, um, as they have come to uh, join us in our, on our retreat, uh, we can say, yeah, they're brothers and sisters um, that have come to uh, share about what you are doing in their life through uh, the blessed uh, gift of, of difficulty, of, of hard times. Um, I give you thanks uh, for their faith in you. Uh, I give you thanks for uh, their ability to trust in you in the midst of, uh, yeah, just dark and depressing moments. And um, my hope and prayer is uh, that you might uh, use them in this space to teach all of us just a little bit of how we, too, might learn from our own uh, so-called dark nights of the soul. Um, so would you be with them? Uh, Holy Spirit, fill them now, and may you give them wisdom to speak truth and love in this moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, so I think uh, just to, by way of introduction, I'll just take you back a few years. Um, so we have two daughters, uh, Poppy and Neith. Um, they're four and three. Um, they're over in the kids' program. They were Sad. They were happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but a few years ago with our two daughters, um, we actually, we, we sat down one day and we were like, we haven't really suffered um, in our lives. Um, you know, there, there, there are hard times. Um, you know, I struggled a little bit with depression kind of through high school, um, but we kind of, we said to one another, we don't think we've really had um, our faith and our life tested um, with suffering. Um, but yeah, something happened. Uh, and so basically what we'd like to do is we'd like to just share uh, some of our story. Um, and so that'll be the first time of this. We'll, we'll just share our story. Uh, and then we'll just offer some reflections, um, reflections on God, reflections on what it's like, and, and then like reflections on you know, how can we actually care for one another. Um, as we go through suffering. I think what the older we've gotten, the more we've realised that everybody suffers. Um, 
you know, some people are lucky to go through a certain amount of life without suffering, and that's a blessing, um, but everybody will um, suffer at some point in their lives. Um, it's, it's the world we live in, um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, goodness and grace from God to be had in those times. So we'll share some of our story, offer some reflections, and then we can do a bit of Q&A. And I was also thinking maybe while we're going through the second section, if you have any questions, like it's so small and nice, like just pop your hand up. We can just chat about stuff if you want to like elaborate on something or ask something. So it's pretty relaxed. So yeah, just ask away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, uh, we were at Barber College. uh, And so we've got our two daughters, Poppy and Neve. And then we fell pregnant. Um, with uh, a third child, uh, which was wonderful, um, exciting, um, and very happy. Uh, but yeah, basically 12-week scan um, was the first sign that something um, wasn't right. Um, so yeah, uh, they, um, they said that there was a one in 5,000 chance that there would be um, some risk so, you know, one in 5,000 is not... Risk of, not. like, disability. Yeah. Risk, risk is that, an interesting word they didn't, well. they didn't know what it would, could be, but they just said, look, there could be something not, not quite um, right. Um, now, at the time, we were like, oh, okay, it's like one in 5,000, surely, you know, that's... They offered, like, some... Um, for, like, you can get further testing when that comes up. But um, I think at the time, we were just like, you know... Um, because often, like, you know, Down syndrome and stuff, that's when that comes up. And we were just like, oh, we're, like, obviously not going to terminate um, and we're just happy to roll with whatever happens. So we chose not to do further testing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do remember sharing it. Um, I had a really uh, great group of guys at college and we, we got together every week to pray together. And I remember sharing with them, um, you know, the one in 5,000 chance that, you know, something might not be quite right. I remember getting quite emotional, mm. um, which surprised me at the time because um, it seemed like such a small chance um, but yeah trusting God through that but then 20 week scan I mean I think during that next eight weeks I think yeah we were kind of still excited but it kind of um, I remember feeling like um, like, I didn't really want to do, like, a Facebook announcement yet. I just was, like, it doesn't feel like this, like it did the other times. I feel like there's something different this time. Yeah, it just was, like, a bit of a flag. Maybe. Yeah. 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 And then at the 20-week scan, so during COVID, only I could go. Um, mm. Charlie couldn't come. So I went into the scan, and I was, like, joking with the technician, being like, oh, gosh, like... Must your your job is so difficult. Like if something's wrong with the baby, like how do you handle that? Like, and, I'll, and she was like really quiet and awkward, and I was just like telling her how amazing she was for the job that she was doing. And then at the end of the scan, she just like quietly popped down the thing, and she was like, um, "Yeah, there's like a really significant problem with your baby. I need to go and get a doctor." And so she left and came back. And the doctor, like, was looking around. Yeah, and basically she said that your ch- your baby's heart is, like, um, there's a lo- like, there's a very different, um, there's a large spectrum of heart conditions that a, um, a person can have. 
Um, and she was telling me that this is like on the really severe side of a heart condition. Um, yeah, and so she was like, your baby has a really severe heart condition. Um, we need to, like right now, you need to go and call your husband. We're going to go and get, um, they have these long needles and they kind of take fluid from the sack and kind of do testing. And so yeah, you need to call your husband and tell him and then come back and we're going to take this fluid and do some testing and so it was a whirlwind. Anyway, and so we basically discovered that um, the baby had, yeah, like, I think it's, they said, yeah, the most severe heart condition um, a little baby can have. Um, and, yeah, that 95% um, of babies with that heart condition are terminated. So it's kind of, like, very, very strange to, like, even consider continuing the pregnancy or having the child or anything just because they can't survive post-birth um, without um, multiple surgeries. And even with those multiple surgeries, it's just like, you're not trying to, yeah, you're not, you can't fix it. You're just trying to fix the plumbing to try and make them stay alive, kind of. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. He, he, um, so he was a he. Uh, the baby. Yeah, we yeah. didn't know. We didn't know. Um, yeah. So we wanted to keep that a secret. Um, so he essentially had half a heart, uh, and technical term is hyperplastic left heart syndrome. Um, and yeah, that really started a process of a lot of appointments um, and lots of tests. And yeah, like from then on, we probably had an appointment once a week all the way up to the next 20 weeks. And we later found out they did all this genetic testing and they found out that he had um, a really rare syndrome called Kabuki syndrome. Um, I don't know if anyone's Japanese out there, but um, Kabuki um, masks are like these beautiful like performance masks. The eyes are really wide. And um, so basically one of the traits of a child with Kabuki syndrome is their eyes are really set apart and like they visually look like um, they have a disability. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, so that Kabuki syndrome, often kids with Kabuki syndrome have a heart condition and other things. So basically they noticed that he had a heart condition and had liver issues, and so they knew that he probably has a syndrome and figured out that yeah, yeah. he had Kabuki syndrome. He was the first baby in Australia that had had this level of genetic testing. Um, so, so usually you find out that children with this syndrome after they're born, but there was... Yeah, we just found out prenatally that he had all these things, which the, all the doctors were super interested in. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so he had Kabuki syndrome, which caused a whole bunch of issues, um, the most significant of which was heart condition. Um, and So I think, yeah. yeah, they were worried. I think it, often kids have just a heart condition, and that's, like, obviously really significant. But with Kabuki syndrome, um, they just, like, struggle to eat. Um, they get sick, like, they're always sick. So they were just worried that, yeah, they were extra worried yeah. about him. Um, so we got, um, so we were at RPA, the hospital. We were, like, having our appointments there. And um, they do kids' surgery and stuff at Westmead. So we got transferred to Westmead Hospital. So we were driving really far for appointments there. Mm. Um, and we had a lot of, you know, appointments with heart surgeons and cardiologists and everything. And, um, yeah, we were like, um, 
we were planning to operate and like wanting to go down that route because basically yeah there was kind of three options would you say yeah so yeah because the baby um can't survive without the operation and then even then there's just a really 70 percent chance of them not making it um so you can choose to terminate um, and then we have friends who had the, the baby, a baby had the same heart condition and they chose to not operate and just let the baby pass away um, because, yeah, and so that was that what they chose to do and then there's, like, the, the route of operating. And so I think before he was born, there was just a lot of, like, um, processing that he wasn't going to be, um, I guess, normal and, like, we weren't going to take him home and have that normal experience but there was also a lot of decision-making that we were having to, like, do a lot of mm. ethics and, like, we were reading books about, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So it was... It, yeah, it was never an option to terminate for us. So the doctors assumed that we would terminate the pregnancy. That's what... Uh, oh, yeah, I forgot to say that. Um, yeah, so mm. that was, you know, that... Um, Charles's? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, well, anyway, the doctors are like, so you're wanting to terminate, aren't you? And they were quite surprised when we said, no, no way. Um, but the tricky decision was, do we operate? Um, yeah. Yeah. So we could not operate, and he would have probably lived for just a couple of days and then passed away. Um, or, yeah, we could choose to operate, uh, which essentially, it doesn't fix the problem, but it just gives a slightly longer life, but a hard life. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was hard because, um, yeah, like there's so many factors that you're thinking about. You think, like, both of our parents had, you know, thoughts, and also, you know, they cared about us so much. And then we're, we're thinking about our children. Like, yeah, they were saying that he was going to be in hospital for a whole year and just, you know, trying to think about how we would care for our girls while also looking after him as a child. And I think. We had to keep remembering that even though he was inside, he's still our child. And so if, you know, one of our daughters um, was really, really in need of surgery, like, of course we would. And so we were trying to keep remembering, like, this is our child too. Like, we want to do everything for this child that we can. So kind of just keeping on remembering that it was our child. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was a lot of uncertainty during that time. Um, but we were hopeful. Yeah, the doctors um, just didn't know often. Like, they were like, yeah. he might come out and he might have even more problems or... They, they um, just didn't know. We heard the, the two phrases, I don't know and we can't fix. We heard those phrases a lot. Yeah. Um, I think there was also like, oh, this is how we imagined that how our life would go and now it's going to be radically different. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was, was like, we don't even know how to imagine our lives. We also um, didn't say when this happened. Did we say that? Oh, well, yeah, this is 2020. So he was born, he was born last March. If yeah, that, if 2020. That you understand when yeah. this is happening. <laughs> um, yeah, so went to pregnancy. Um, he was born. Uh, so he was born at Westmead. Um, he looked totally, totally normal. normal. Um, it was a good birth. It's great. Wow. I mean... It was a good birth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Births are always painful, apparently. <laughs> um, Ash is great. Um, so, yep, 
he they whisked him off though pretty quickly, and so he went and he had tubes and monitors put on basically every part of his body, um, and yeah, um, essentially we were going to see if we could operate um, to. So I guess yeah, the doctors were just like trying to keep him alive and stabilize him before they could start operation. I think yeah, there's a process of trying to stabilize him and then yeah yeah. Um, our entire worlds just stopped while we were in hospital, so we stayed there, um, and uh, that was COVID time. But they made um, a, a uh, an exception, so both of our parents just before got, that. Yeah. Um, so like weeks before, only one parent could be at the child's bedside, but like thankfully. Um, we were both able to like be with him at the same time, so that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And then also, yeah, usually you can't have any other people um, visit your child in the NICU that we were in. Um, but yeah, they like wrote a bunch of letters to important people, and Charles's parents got to meet him, and my parents got to meet him, and then the girls got to meet him, which I think, yeah, was really amazing. Yeah. As our families were meeting him, we noticed the doctors um, like just hovering around him and just like the vibe was a bit different. Hmm. And we were like, oh, I, I think, uh, yeah, as the girls were meeting him, I was like really distracted because I could tell something was going wrong. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, essentially he uh, wasn't kind of stabilising. Um, and so... Uh, yeah, his little body was just... Struggling. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they told us um, that, uh, yeah, they wouldn't be able to operate. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that was hard um, when they said that. Um, mm. Yeah. Um, we knew that there was about a 50-50 chance of that happening. And, um, yeah, uh, they, they um, took all his tubes off, um, took his monitors off, and uh, we held him. Uh, and he, once he was off all the life support, um, he passed away after... Eight minutes. Eight minutes. He really was needing the help, eh? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, his name's Levi. Um, and <laughs> he was so cute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, when you imagine your life together, you know, when you get married, you um, never imagine these things. <laughs> um, that was a really hard time walking out of that room um, yeah. without him. His little hard. body was just there. And, yeah, it was really hard to walk away from his body. And, yeah, leaving the hospital, I think, yeah, we thought we would leave hospital but come back to visit him every day, but it was weird to just leave and just... He was just there. Well, he wasn't there. He was with Jesus, but that was a hard moment. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Um, 
And then we came home and our beautiful friends had bought us this beautiful picture book called The Moon. <laughs> the Moon is Always Round. I don't know if anyone's heard about it, but basically um, it's um, a, a couple wrote it. Um, they had a stillbirth and so basically it's the book describes how the moon is always in different phases, like it's full moon or half or but basically no matter how much of the moon you can see, God is always good. Mm. And it just takes the kid through that. And so when we got home, we'd asked our parents not to tell the girls yet. And so when we saw them, we read them that book and had to tell them that he died. And that was really hard. Yeah. Um, that was a hard part about the afterwards as well because I guess like you're grieving yourself, but um, yeah, like kind of. Um, helping them understand it and, like, seeing how they respond emotionally. Like, our eldest Poppy was, like, really upset. And then, yeah, there was a few she, weeks where um, she was really angry. And she was like, I don't want him to be with Jesus. I want him to be here. I was super angry. And that was just kind of cool to see and hard to see that. Yeah. yeah. Um, we planned a memorial service, like a, a funeral. Um, that was there was, our church was just very kind um, yeah. to us um, during that time. Um, that was hard, but it's, there's something appropriate about, you know, saying goodbye like that. Um, yeah, I think the journey with our church was quite amazing. I think when, after we found out that he was going to be so sick and everyone was, you know, I was visibly pregnant. So every week people were asking me about how I was and how the baby was. So we actually ended up like um, being interviewed in front of the church and telling everyone that the baby was really sick. So that was super helpful for us and for everyone else to just journey with us because, yeah, I guess because Charles is a pastor, it just, yeah... It felt a bit quite public, and but it was cool to just, yeah, I think it's been really cool for our church to have experienced this with us and see me pretty much crying every week before and after the birth. And I know it's been really great because, um, yeah, isn't it so easy at church to try and hold it all together? Because, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Sorry, oh, yeah. keep going. <laughs> um, we yeah. spoke at Levi's memorial. We did a like a little tribute speech, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. That was yeah. cool. We yeah. went on a. We had a big break after yeah. that. Our church was very good to us. So my boss, my our pastor Tim, he just said, "Go away and come back when you're ready." Amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. So we went away for... Three weeks? Six. Was it six? <laughs> <laughs> wow, he's great. Um, yeah, we, we went away, spent some time with some family. Um, it, it felt like our world just stopped. Um, yeah, there was nothing else we thought about for a long time. Mm. 
And holidays are so different now and family photos and just, yeah, like you would be having so much fun and then instantly feel so much sadness because you missed your, yeah, we missed our son. He wasn't with us and you think about what you would have been doing instead or, yeah, you just, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm not like a big crier. I don't cry a lot. Um, but I feel like I have cried a lifetime of tears in the last year. Um, yeah. Which, uh, like, which is quite, yeah. It was like a bit scary <laughs> when I saw Charles crying so much because he's such a like steady constant. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, like, it's just so hard to know how to help. And yeah. Um, walking into church for the first time after that um, that was really hard Um, or just seeing people for the first time after he died so our experience of all of this is probably a little bit different to other people in the sense that everybody knew Um, because you know um, know, we'd shared at church Basically, everybody in our life knew. So there was no, you know, kind of, oh, they know, they don't know. Everybody knew. And so when you walk into church after, everybody knows. And they go, they're back. <laughs> um, but yeah. people were very people kind. <laughs> yeah. People and respond good. very differently as well. And yeah. you know, when hard things happen, there's that tug of wanting to, like, avoid them because you don't want to like have to deal with the awkward conversation or you like want to say to speak to them but you don't want to talk about it because you don't want to bring it up and upset them or and I'm sure you can all relate to that yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll talk about that later but then there's the moment so it's, there are lots of different kinds of suffering and we'll talk about that um, in a little bit but um, for us it was a moment of suffering um, we had a son, uh, and then he was gone. Um, but then after that, there becomes the long process of suffering and grieving and living with that. Um, so we that's a very real thing for us now and probably will be until we <laughs> die as well. Um, but... There, are, there were phases, so we went, you know, everyone went into lockdown last year. Um, that, that was a very good thing for us. Um, lots of people found it hard. We found it a great blessing to just be at home together. Um, we went and actually stayed with Ash's family for a bit, so, um, yeah, that, that was good. But um, we felt our resilience um, really took a hit, um, and so... You, we felt emotionally empty um, for just a long time. And so usually when something happens, you know, the dishwasher breaks. <laughs> usually you're like, all right, I can deal with this. But when your resilience takes a hit, you just can't deal with it. Um, yeah. And Or like looking after the kids. Like... Oh, kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they'd be difficult and you just you can't. It's really hard. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, now, we've had our ups and downs in our marriage. Everybody does. Um, but then that, that was hard for us as well because when we felt emotionally empty, it's hard to actually 
relate together, um, that you actually, you, you don't have time and energy and emotion to give to the other person because you're both empty. Um, and so that's hard, but actually sometimes in suffering, in our experience, um, you know, it, it, we were always on the same team and loved each other, but sometimes it was just hard. Um, so we got some counselling, um, so that was very helpful. We got counselling from Red Nose, which they deal with infant loss specifically. Um, and that was really good for us. We've gotten marriage counselling before, um, but that was just a really important thing for us to just talk and process and to have somebody ask us the right questions. Yeah. I think, yeah, before we got married, we were kind of like, if we ever have a hard time, but I think it's the question is more when you have a hard time. Mm. Yeah. Counselling is really, it's very, it should be very normal. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we've kind of done normal life, you know. We've just. I um I yeah. had that note. Um, I yeah. It's very easy when you're sad to like just feel like a victim and feel woe to me, and that's very valid, obviously. But I think um, yeah, him dying just um, I always was so convicted that there's heaven and hell. And that the gospel just, you know, we need to tell people about Jesus. But I think him dying made it feel so imminent. And so I was like, mm. you know, put me on the mission team ASAP. So I like, I, after a few months, I like wanted to start serving in the mission team. And that having that, um, having that outward focus was really helpful perspective in my suffering. Mm. Um, because it made me remember that, yes, this is hard and like all my feelings valid but like there's also the world that needs to know about Jesus yeah yeah um it put a fire in our bellies we've always been passionate but it's like ah our son died and we know where he is we can die at any moment our um, kids yeah will die at any moment people yep. are dying and they might not be going to the same place yeah um but um yeah, we felt like we were being able to engage more with life, um, but our story didn't quite end. Um, and so we were, we've always wanted more kids. Um, and so we were terribly nervous about trying for another kid. Um, you know, you, we just felt like we, there was a lot of scar tissue and um, that was really hard. Uh, we... So we tried uh, for we another... Felt, we fell yeah. pregnant, yeah, recently. Um, but then, yeah, about a month ago I had a miscarriage. Like, the baby didn't make it and... So, yeah, so we're just kind of feeling... Yeah, a bit. it's been a bit hard lately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's still a real thing for us. Um, and... Um, yeah, that's kind of where we're us. at. That's um, that's it kind of so our long. that's kind of our story, um, but uh, I think so. We'll we'll offer some reflections on what it's been like um, for this, um, and some reflections on suffering and God and that kind of thing. I mean, did anyone have any questions at this point? Just kind of on our story. <laughs> Um, I thought we'd start 
by talking about God. Um, it's always a good place to start. Um, we uh, have... I have known that God is kind um, because the Bible tells me so, but I have felt that God is kind in a new and a fresh way. Um, we have believed that God is kind. Um, this verse just kept popping into my head. Um, I like the verse. It's Matthew twelve twenty, which is actually a quote from Isaiah 42, 3, but Jesus says, um, a bruised reed he will not break. We felt like a bruised reed, a weak reed. Um, but scriptures tell us that he won't break that reed. Um, and so we've clung to that, that um, our God is kind um, and gentle and he will hold us. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, we... I, I, like, after, after finding out that leave, I was really sick at 20 weeks. I like, yeah, I remember there being a really decisive moment for me being like, this is my moment. Like, I, I don't want to look back and be like, and then I left Jesus and, you know, and that was really hard. I was like, I need to cling to Jesus in this moment. And so I like bought myself the Psalms, like journal thing, and I like just started reading tons of books on suffering and all this stuff, and I just like, ate all of it up (laughs) Um, and one thing that really struck me was that this was God's plan A like for our life like this was not an interruption in our life it wasn't an accident Um, it was actually his plan A and I think that having that just really shaped everything for me for us Mm. Yeah, and it just gave everything a sense of purpose. Like, it, this time wasn't a waste. Like, having to bear him for nine months and then now again, like, having this most recent child for eight weeks, like, it's not a waste. It feels, yeah, to some it might look like a waste of time and feel like a waste of time, but it's God's plan A. He's really been teaching growing us. So, yeah, mm. that was... Yeah, yeah. We have our imagined version of our lives. Um, but God, he says, I have something better. Um, I have a better plan. Um, and it's hard. Yeah. Um, you know, Ephesians 1, you know, it says that God works out all things in the conformity of his will. Um, that he's in control. This is his will. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. also... Um It's been interesting to have such a public passing away of your family member and then having a miscarriage now. That Yeah, there's kind of lots of different types of suffering. Um, yeah, which we'll prob- I think we do mm. talk about later. But yeah, it's... Especially in this miscarriage, like, it's felt very hidden and, you know, people don't know about it. And that's, I'm sure a lot of you have had things that have felt quite hidden and you feel really isolated and... Like, nobody understands, but it's, yeah, really amazing to know that nothing is hidden. Like, God sees and he knows and he cares and, yeah, that's, like, an amazing truth. That Mm. even if you don't feel like nobody's getting you or listening to you or understanding you or giving you time and space to talk, like, God is actually there and 
even though you can't see him, he he wants to listen to you. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, God is sovereign, and He sees and He knows and He knows everything we're feeling. Um, but Jesus also experienced this um, himself. In Isaiah fifty three, it says, um, "He was a man familiar with suffering." Um, that you know, when we suffer, Jesus says, "Yes, I know what that's like." Mm. Uh, and at the same time, one of the big things for us uh, was seeing that suffering isn't the worst thing in the world. Um, I think, yeah, the world, we try so hard to avoid suffering. Like there's so much, for instance, um, you know, testing you can do in pregnancy and that's to try and avoid um, suffering and give people options. Um, you know, our, we're all about happiness fulfillment and yeah suffering is like we don't want our children to suffer we don't want to suffer ourselves we want to be comfortable happy Mm. but yeah yeah Um, I think that was confusing to the doctors because they were like why are you going to bring your child into the world he's going to have a really painful hard life and they were very concerned about quality of life that was a big thing that they always talked about quality of life but I think for us our worldview was just different like suffering isn't the worst thing in the world not knowing Jesus is the worst thing in the world Um, yeah yeah like so Jesus could have not suffered on the cross Um, he could have chose a different path but he chose that path um, and he did it because of love Mm. Um, that love um, is more important than not suffering Um, and so we wanted to choose to love our son yeah um, and I guess like when we pray like we pray that God would you know we pray that God would you know be faithful and um not allow suffering to happen and that's we prayed that it's good to pray that but it doesn't mean he's less faithful if we suffer um, he's the same faithfulness amount no matter what we go through yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we've always found that there's something to be thankful for. Mm. Um, there's never been a time where we haven't been able to say, thank you, God. Yeah. Um, so even though he died, like we had four days with our son, like there's so much to be thankful for. We had 84 hours with him. Amazing. Um, like, you know, he could have died, um, like had a little heart thing and died when we were asleep but we got to hold him as he died. Like just every single, in every situation we are in, in our lives, there's always something to be thankful for. Mm. Yeah. And it's very easy to focus on the the things that are hard. But I think I remember like when I was really struggling and struggling to just hold on to, to God, um, I would just each day write down three things that I was thankful for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, Knowing God changes everything. Um, so it gives us incredible hope. So we know where our son is. Um, he's not with us. He's actually in a better place. Um, he, he's with Jesus. Um, he's safe. Um, he's cared for. Um, and so we have that hope. We also have the hope of the new creation, um, that there is this time of suffering and then it will end, uh, where every tear will be wiped away. You know, that's Revelation Twenty-one. Um, I think the big thing for us was that 
when faced with suffering, God has spoken a word. Um, and he has said, you know, Romans 8, 28, that he works all things for the good of those who love him. I think we just tried to take him at his word and say, all right, <laughs> we trust it. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, any questions on that? I feel like if you need, do you want to have like a 60 second like <laughs> break? <laughs> Just it's been for long, so stand up, have a drink, relax. Oh, yeah. It's a lot. Take a moment, and then we'll talk about us. Get my bottle. Need a drink. Did you bring your bottle for us? No. No. Okay. Oh, thanks. Um, I'm okay, actually. Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, I have this. Look. What's in there? Oh. Okay, I reckon you can. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah. Her preschool teachers, when we drop off, she's like that, and they're like, she's just a big actor. <laughs> as soon as you leave, she's like, <laughs> oh gosh. Um, yeah, so in terms of suffering, um, we're not experts no. on suffering. We've just experienced some of it. Um, <clears throat> the other thing is to say we've only experienced really one kind of suffering. You know, there's other things in our life, but... Yeah, other people are going to experience very different kinds of suffering. Um, and so we experienced the loss of something. Um, that's, a, that's a certain kind of a, a grief, is, is when you lose something. Um, and so, so like, yeah, you can grieve the loss of a person, you can grieve the loss of a circumstance or the loss of an ability. Um, yeah, that grief is loss of something. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also to say um, suffering can be uh, can come from a number of different places. Um, so for us, it was a under the sovereignty of God. It was a natural kind of suffering. Nobody did this. Um, so the genetic condition that Levi had, it was just, I mean, random. It just it was a genetic mutation that happened. Now God's in control and sovereign, but nobody did it. Um, sometimes. Um, Many times, suffering in our lives can actually be inflicted by somebody else. Something, somebody has done something. Um, sometimes our suffering is self-inflicted. We have done something. Sometimes we've even sinned, and that has led to suffering. And so there's a complex experience of, I'm suffering, and, and you know... I, that that there's, there's guilt and... Yeah, and yeah. Um, and so there's a whole bunch of different things going on. And so at, we experienced um, loss, and, and that was just something that happened for us, but there's lots of different other yeah. kinds of okay. sufferings. Yeah. Um, uh, in terms of thinking about suffering, um, Tim Keller, he says something really helpful. Um, he says, don't just accept suffering because God doesn't want it. We don't just say, all right, yeah, suffering, you know, I'll accept it. Um, suffering's actually bad. Um, but also, we shouldn't just avoid suffering, 
because God can actually use it. Um, you know, the Bible talks a lot about suffering, that suffering is something that God can use to do something to us for our good. Um, but we shouldn't embrace suffering. Um, we shouldn't kind of go seeking it out as some kind of like... Masochistic. Yeah, masochistic. Um, suffering I love is, suffering. <laughs> Give me pain. <laughs> yeah. Because um, it's evil. Suffer, suffering is evil. Um, that's not from our God. Our God did not create suffering. Um, that so came from don't before. Don't accept it. Don't avoid it. Don't embrace it. Yeah. Um, what should we do? So what should we do with suffering <laughs> uh, is lament. I think that's the fundamental response to suffering is lament. Um, now, uh, you know, in church, we often put on our best face. Um, we come to church and we want to look like we have it all, all together. Or it seems like everyone else does. Or it seems like everyone else does and we feel like... What's wrong with us? What's wrong with me? Um, but that's not the vision that we get in the scriptures and particularly the Psalms. Um, you know, the Psalms... Uh, a huge amount of psalms are actually um, lament and a pouring out and an honest suffering. Um, you know, Jesus. Um, Jesus. Also, like lamentations. Yeah, yeah, lament. There's a book about it. You um, see a lot of, yeah, you you see if you like think about lament, you'll see it all through the Bible, like Job yeah. tearing his things and weeping in ashes, and yeah, yeah. Um, but psalms. Jesus, the perfect man. He cried and he lamented, um, you know, particularly, you know, the death of Lazarus. That actually, it is the perfect man, Jesus, he laments, um, cries out to God and, and weeps. Uh, what is lament? Um, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. In one book that I read, they had a cool definition. Lament is the honest cry of a hurting heart wrestling with the paradox between pain that you're experiencing and the promise of God's goodness. So just like struggling with your circumstance and the problem of God's goodness. Mm. That's, it's crying out to God in that wrestle. Yeah. A lament is different to complaint. Complaint is where you just kind of <laughs> dump <laughs> your suffering. Um, lament is actually a directed towards hope. In God, um, so I I had a really um like poignant moment where I was yeah I was like telling Charles all my feelings and I guess you call them laments I was like telling him how I was feeling how I was hurting stuff like that and then I was lying there on the couch and I was like actually uh, like I it's good to say that to Charles but also like I need to direct this to God like he wants to hear this too and I think sometimes in the most painful moments after Levi died like there's also sometimes you don't even have words you're just groaning or you're not sure what to say or what you should say but just having a, yeah an orientation towards God in that not just grumbling to your friend because that's going to get you nowhere if you actually orient yourself towards God and talk to him and lament to him and all of that, um, I just noticed a complete perspective change. And you see that in the Psalms. Like, there's only one Psalm that ends on a kind of 
it's it starts with lament and it ends with lament and it's just the Psalm eighty eight hopeless. Yeah. But generally, yeah, there's you see this kind of lamenting to God and orientation towards God. And because you, you're just slowly talking to God, you're realising, oh, I'm talking to God, like your perspective completely changes and you, you, you see what, you're, what is happening in your life in, in perspective of reality and it gives you this incredible sense of peace, a gift of peace. That's what Jesus came to give the world, peace. And so, yeah, like we just experienced an incredible amount of peace after Levi died. And just since then, like, because, yeah, we're just trying to always constantly lament and talk to God. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And I think something else I realised, I'm a, I'm a bit of a crier. And I think, but I also, at the same time, I, I love to appear, like, sinfully appear quite capable and everything. So I think me crying every week at church was really humbling because everyone could see I, I was struggling and I think um, it was really humbling and it revealed a sin in my heart because yeah I was proud and I wanted to appear like I was okay but yeah it was a big lesson in the fact that a lesson about faith that having tears and showing yeah tears does not show a lack of faith necessarily um, yeah, and acting stoic doesn't mean you're faithful either. Um, yeah, so just that, that was really, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, one big lesson for me was learning what does it mean to be okay? You know, people ask you, you know, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? I was like, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be okay? Um, because... We have been and will be sad. <laughs> um, there's a grief there um, that will always be there. And so I was like, ah, being okay isn't the absence of grief. Um, I think what, what I came to see is that being okay, or what does it mean to be okay? Um, there were times when we actually were disengaging from life and we just couldn't couldn't engage with the thing in front of us in the present. Um, we were, it's almost like we were just somewhere else. Um, we were in the past. Um, and so I think for us, being okay meant I can engage with what's in front of me. I can engage with life with grief. Um, and so we'll grieve. But that was something for me was like, okay, what am I actually, what does it mean to be okay? I think it's being able to engage um, with life, with God. Uh, and with what's going on. Um, we also, I wish somebody told me this, um, there's also a lot of guilt when you do feel okay. Because, um, you know, there are the times when you're just in the absolute pits um, and you don't feel okay. And then the time comes when you start to feel okay and you start to smile. And, and, and then we would get hit with this wave of guilt going, I feel bad for feeling okay. I feel like I should not feel okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I think we you both feel, felt you that. You feel guilty for like, you haven't forgotten Levi, but you feel like bad for like enjoying life without him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, 
uh, we had to learn that it's okay <laughs> to feel okay. Um, that, um, yeah, God is he's good, he's kind, he's faithful. Um, mm. And so that, that's part of um, living and walking with God is actually um, learning to engage with life again, learning to smile again, while at the same time there being this grief. Um, yeah. Did you want to? Which one? Despair. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've learnt some things about... We've just, we're just now moving to like more practical stuff now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of supporting somebody who's um, suffering, um, really important things are just like um, listening and talking and encouraging one another. Um, uh, people need a friend... <laughs> Everybody needs a friend, a brother and sister in Christ. Um, so uh, be a friend. I think, yeah, like you, 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 if someone's having a hard day, you like listen to them, but then you feel this tug to want to fix it, and that's a really good, a good thing. But, yeah, you, often you can't fix it. And so I think, and sometimes you'll even notice this about yourself, like you just want to tell someone about something. You don't want them to give you advice and tips. You just want to talk. And so I think one of the best things you can do if someone's having a hard time is literally just listen and ask questions and just just listen. And, just, yeah. and even if this conversation stops, that gap, they're processing and thinking, and then they'll speak and then they'll keep processing. So, yeah, yeah. I think asking how are you today is helpful, not just how are you. That's quite an overwhelming question. So if you just like, how are you today? Like having that extra word is very helpful. Mm. Um, I think people fear like coming and talking to and like asking a, and and like they don't want to say Levi's name and they don't yeah they're nervous about that which is understandable. But like yeah, bringing it up and saying oh like like saying his name or talk, talking about the the subject that is hard for them, bringing it up. Um, yeah, with wisdom, but like that isn't necessarily reminding them of it. Like they're probably already thinking about it. So don't be afraid if if it's a one-on-one conversation to just yeah ask them about it because they'll I'm sure that they'll love to be asked about it. Yeah, I, I think that was and try not to ask them yeah like with in a group setting. I think that's a bit overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. But like yeah, if you just catch them on one on one, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um that was an experience for me. I had a lot of guys around me who were like, oh, I don't want to ask you. I don't want to talk to you because I'm if I bring it up, then that will upset you. I think for me, I was like, I'm already upset. I'm always upset. <laughs> and it's funny cuz like yeah, there can be yeah, like weeks would go by with no one asking you how you are because they're worried to bring it up. But then that person hasn't been asked how they are for like quite a while. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I'm already feeling everything. Now I'm just sharing it with you. Um, which is actually, I think that's a big thing is um, Romans 12 that speaks about bearing one another's burdens. Um, that when we share, we, are, we have a burden and we are sharing that with somebody else. Mm. And so when you talk to somebody, there's like an emotional cost, but you're actually taking on somebody else's burden yeah um yeah that's what being um, a friend is yeah yeah so it's hard to ask the question as well because like oh 
this is probably going to hurt me too. <laughs> I think also, yeah, some really powerful moments for me is when people prayed with me because I was finding it hard. Like people like, how can I pray for you? I was just like, I don't know. Um, but yeah, people praying with me, I was struggling to like form words and pray to God. Them praying with me, those words almost became my words. And it was just so amazing to like have people pray with me because it um yeah it like was really good to mm. pray with people <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah if so, so obviously Levi dying that's um quite an uncommon thing for like a child to die um um or like um but then there's other types of suffering where like maybe your grandparent will pass away that's perhaps more common or a miscarriage is perhaps more common Something being more common doesn't make it less hard. So often, yeah, people downplay the hardness of things because it's more common. But, yeah, like a grandparent passing away or like a miscarriage, common, but it's like no less hard. So try and like remember that like a common thing doesn't make it less hard. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think random thing for us, like people that remember important dates, like, um, people who remembered that it was his one-year anniversary, like his birthday and then his anniversary death day. I, I don't know what you call it. <laughs> yeah, people, yeah, remembering special dates is, like, just so special. So, like, if you have a friend who has a miscarriage, like, figure out how many weeks there were and then figure out their due, like, ask when the due date is and then when it comes around, text them. Yeah. Like, just dates are so important to people. Yeah, yeah. Um, the whole way through, we've had an interesting experience. So there are times when people say things that they shouldn't say. <laughs> um, and so we've had this interesting experience where they're like, they're saying something to us and we have this out-of-body experience where we're also, almost kind of laughing, kind of going, you shouldn't say that. <laughs> and we're kind of watching the conversation going, so like, wow. Um, like <laughs> finding out about our son being like, oh, oh, at least you have two beautiful children already. Yeah. Or, Try not to ever start a sentence with at least. Yeah, or like, um, yeah, like after the miscarriage, someone said like, oh, at least you can just try again. Yeah, so I think just don't ever say at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think those statements are true, but it's just like it stings. Yeah, so yeah, that, they'll figure yeah. it out themselves. There's... Um, Everyone has this urge to try to try and make things better and I'll look, look on the bright side of life. Mm. Um, but sometimes, actually, the best thing is to say, this, this, that was real. that's hard. That's hard. That sucks. <laughs> that sucks. And Yeah. It's like yeah. people saying there are no words. Like, for some reason, that was just like, yeah. That was so comforting. <laughs> yeah. Instead of someone just showing me all the ways that it was, that, that it was good. Which is they're all really true, but it was yeah, just hard. Yeah. Um, there's a there is a time for tears and a time for truth. Um, so there's this fascinating thing. Um, John eleven. Um, so Lazarus dies. So Lazarus, the friend of Jesus, and Mary and Martha. And it's interesting. Um, Tim Keller he picks up on this. But um, when um, uh, Mary and Martha they both come to Jesus at different times and they both say exactly the same thing um, Lord if you were here um, it's interesting that uh, Jesus in one case he simply weeps 
he just cries. You know, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Um, but the other time, he, um, he gives her truth. And, you know, um, she said, uh, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Um, and so it takes wisdom sometimes. There is a time just to cry and say nothing. That's probably the best thing Job's friends did. <laughs> you know, Job, he loses everything and his friends, they just come and sit in the hole <laughs> for a week. It's probably the best thing they did. Um, but there's also a time for truth and to speak truth. Um, so, for instance, like um, you could have a friend whose business like dies because of they just were really greedy. So they're suffering that loss and the grief of losing their business. Um, and that, yeah, there's a, that could be a time for truth and like, you know, we're sometimes hesitant to send Bible verses and just as a band-aid, like, that'll make you feel better. Like, there's, yeah, when in that situation, perhaps, yeah, he needs truth. Whereas, you know, like, losing a child, I think, um, yeah, like, the inflow of Bible passages, they're all beautiful passages, but, yeah, just, I think, just you got to, like, be, yeah... I don't know what to say. Yeah, there's a, there's a time to share all the Bible verses and then there's a time just to cry. Yeah. Um, and that's what Jesus does. Yeah. Um, and it takes wisdom. And you can't say, ah, in this circumstance, do this. And it's Just listen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we need to know as a church that when somebody is suffering, it's going to be hard for them to walk into church. Um, or, or to have those first conversations. And so... so if um, you know someone who's having a hard time, like I think, yeah. yeah, not avoiding them, like sending them a text before church saying, like, I don't know, do you want me to sit with you? Or I don't know, just, yeah. just being aware of them and trying to love them in their situation. And I think often people, like for instance, if they have chronic illness, it's just a long game. Mm. I think... You've just you've got to hang in there and like try not to get fatigued and try and stick with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, a few things, you know, just in terms of caring, um, yeah, doing practical things. Um, <laughs> it's not at all helpful to say, "Let me know what I can do to help," because um, when people are suffering, they don't want to ask. They don't want to say, "Hey, uh, can you do this thing for me?" because there's no resilience there. Um, we found the most helpful thing um, for us was just when people just did something kind, um, and they just did it. Um, so, yeah, like, instead of saying, let me know if you want me to cook you a meal, you could just switch that and be like, I'm going to drop you guys a meal at your door at 5pm, and I'll just knock and head off. Yeah. Like, try and, like, be a bit more assertive, I would say. Like, so, not asking, but just doing yeah even just small things so we had one guy at church he just ordered a tub of ice cream for us <laughs> and it was really nice just yeah it's like the thought that counts almost like don't worry too much about what you do just it's more helpful to just do something yeah yeah it's so nice yeah yeah, yeah. um there's also time for like uh professional support if you want to use that phrase um you know there's so much that there's a goodness to just the love and care that we give one another as a church uh, there's also the time to see a counselor psychologist 
very normal. There shouldn't be any shame in that. Mm. Um, and we should support and back one another for that. Mm. Um, yeah. Was, yeah, we have like, yeah, we love both love reading. So we, we have like a whole bunch of books we'd recommend and resources. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, like, um, yeah. The best place to start is the Bible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I mean, the Psalms have been particularly good for us. Um, so I said, it, like, I, I struggled with depression um, kind of through high school um, and that kind of thing. Sometimes I would do this thing. When I was really struggling, I would sit down and I would read the Psalms until God spoke a word of comfort, uh, until something happened. And sometimes I would just read and I'd read 30 Psalms and then something would happen. Um, yeah, that, that was me. Um, we both read the Psalms. Um, Ash has read like every book on suffering. <laughs> so, I mean, not every Ah, all the good ones. <laughs> um, I think uh, top three, um, you reckon? Well, I think the, a really good one is by Tim Keller. It's called Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering. It's a really good one. Hmm. Um, then there's another, another book by Nancy Guthrie. She's a woman, I know two of her children died and she's just written a whole bunch of stuff in all these different sectors, but there's one that she's she's collated little kind of essays or chapters of a book by, like, um, John Piper and Tim Keller all the way through to, like, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Spurgeon, Augustine. Like, there's just, like, little nuggets of amazingness. Each chapter's by someone different. I found that one amazing. It's called Be Still, My Soul, and it's by Nancy Guthrie. I loved that one. And then the last one I recommend... It's called Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, and it's just about lament and just unpacking lament personally and um, for you in your church. Mm. So they're our top three books. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having us. And yeah. um, questions? Yeah, yeah. I should do you some. You don't have to have any questions. But Feel free to, to ask anything. Yeah. Um, we are open books we want to share, so yeah, ask anything you like, whether that's about us, whether, you know, what was it like or for this or, or, or that kind of thing. Or feel free to just like, you know, we don't have all the answers, we're not experts, but if you want to ask, you know, oh, what do you do here or something, then yeah. It's a good opportunity for you guys as well because the other two um, seminars are fantastic, but that's why you're here. Because you want to ask questions, you can listen to those seminars. You know, we're recording the morning. You can listen to them; they're all fantastic. The reason why you guys are here, I'm assuming, is people ask questions. So, yeah, shoot. So, as a married couple, how do you navigate suffering?